0: If you'd like to open your Bibles to Second Chronicles <clears throat> and chapter 20 this morning, and we're going to read a few verses. Um, this was a strange one this morning, funnily, um, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you up until about 12 o'clock Friday night, I had absolutely nothing for this morning <clears throat> and I was sort of like, Lord, and is this message going to come? <laughs> or am I just going to stand and gaze at him in the morning? <laughs> but uh, the Lord is always faithful, and it's in his timing. <clears throat> so we've got a bit of a long reading this morning. Um, we've got to read Second Chronicles, the first nine verses, and then I'm going to ask you to let your eyes skip down to verses 14 and 15 for me. So it says this, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Amorites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be Hazazon, Timor, which is en And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court and said O Lord God of our fathers art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen and in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people, Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? For they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name's sake. If when evil come upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our afflictions then thou will hear and help. Let your eye run down please The verse 14 Then upon <clears throat> Jehaziel the son of Zechariah the son of Benahaz The son of Jeriel, the son of Mahlan, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye all of Judea, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou King Jehoshaphat, then says, Jehoshaphat, sorry. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let us pray. Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. I just come before you. Lord, this morning in weakness. Lord, I just pray. Lord, that you would have your way, Lord, even in these scriptures. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word would speak unto your people. Lord, that they would not get a message from me, but a message from you this morning, Lord. Lord, your people need to hear from you, not from a man. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just guide my lips this morning. That I would speak the words that you would have me to speak, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit and that your word would find a resting place in each and every one of our hearts this morning. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your word would go forth on the power of the Holy Spirit and in truth. Lord, just come and have thy way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You'll find Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he reigned from about 872 to 848 BC. His reign began about 80 years after Solomon. And his name means God or Jehovah is judge." And you see, just Jehoshaphat would have witnessed something throughout his life that would have stuck with him. He would have seen his father Ahaz gradually dying of ill health for two years, and this would have made a massive impression off him, impression on him. After the death of Ahaz, he ascended to the throne at the age of 35, and he would have reigned until he was 60. Jehoshaphat was more or less a good king he did some things that were wrong yes but he tried to institute what the Lord wanted in the kingdom but he would have a crucial life lesson from his father and it's important to get this that in his time of trouble he would have seen a very pattern that would have happened in his father's life that would have kept him in good stead now, his father's name was Ahaz, and he ruled Judah for 41 years. And 35 of them years would have been quite peaceful. His father Ahaz would have had quite a peaceful reign. But in the 36th year of Ahaz's reign, there was a king called Beishaz, Beshazzar, the king of Israel. And he was of the northern house of Israel. And he went up against Judah, and he built a fortified city. And the fortified city was Ramah. But this was different because this was like a blockade. It was a siege that he was doing of Judah so he could control the kingdom. So Ahaz, so sorry, Asa took all the gold and the silver out of the temple. He took nearly all the wealth that the kingdom would have had and he sent a message to the king of Syria. And he says, you can have all this if you do me one thing. He said, you can have all the gold, you can have all the silver and everything else, he says, if you attack the northern house of Israel. If you give me some relief in my kingdom from them. So this is exactly what happened. He gave him all the gold and the silver at the temple of the Lord. He gave him a massive amount of 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 gold and silver out of his own kingdom of Judah and sent it down to Syria and the Syrian king attacked the northern house of Israel and the king of Israel then stopped building Ramah the fortified city and then there was a relief from this blockade But but Asa should have known better because you see after that the peace that he enjoyed in his kingdom was taken from him. There was starting to be tr- troubles and wars. The blessing of God had departed. And it even says this in in Second Chronicles sixteen and verse eight. Listen to this. He says, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lumbans a huge host? They were the Libyans, by the way. With many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst Rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein, thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. You see, Asa would have should have known better. He'd seen what the Lord had done in his life. He'd seen that he'd delivered him from the Ethiopians and from the Libyans. And he'd seen what the Lord could do. And Jehoshaphat's early life, I'm sure this would have come to recollection at the day of trouble he was in. I'm sure he would have looked back at his father's folly and thought, I can see the two parts of this man's life and what has happened. When he trusted in the Lord and when he didn't trust in the Lord. And I'm sure Jehoshaphat thought the same. But then you see Jehoshaphat times come. His time came when a huge army of the enemy surrounded him came when Judah was under siege from the Moabites and the Amorites and the Edomites. And they'd all come together to completely destroy Judah. I mean, this was a massive, massive army. It was huge. And it says, Jehoshaphat feared. I mean, that's a natural thing, just to fear at something like that. You see, it was far beyond anything that he could deal with. The sheer size of the army. And so, as this king, Jehoshaphat, was completely surrounded on all sides, all eyes of the kingdom of Judah would have been on the king. Because, after all, he was the military leader, he was the one, he was the go to man in times of trouble. And as all these eyes come on to him and they're looking towards Jehoshaphat and they're saying, right, Jehoshaphat, what's your plan? What are you going to do? What are you going to start getting together? What what are we going to do, Jehoshaphat? He looks at them and I'm paraphrasing now, but he just turned around and says, we have no might against this great company that come against us. Neither do we know what to do. Can you imagine that? the military leader of the kingdom, and he's basically saying, I haven't got a clue, guys. I don't know what to do. But Jehoshaphat would have learned through his experience. As I said, seeing his dad, and even when you read in the previous chapters, he tried diplomatic relations with the king of Israel, the northern house of Israel. That had slipped into idolatry, and the Lord had chastened him for it. So he did what he should have done. He started to set his eyes towards the Lord. Now, if you look in Second Chronicles twenty and verse nine, and it says this if when evil come upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence. For thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. Do you know where this actually comes from? If you actually read in Second Chronicles chapter 6, it's funny, his great-great-grandfather prayed more or less exactly the same King Solomon at the temple as he cried unto the Lord. And you know what answer King Solomon got? I want you to listen now. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, Jehoshaphat, even though he didn't have a clue what to do in the natural. He knew the only place to go was the Lord. It was the only place he could go. Everything was taken away from him. He had no power in himself to deal with the situation anymore. Lord, where are you in this? I mean, it must have been one of the most humbling experiences to see their king literally flat on their face before the Lord. But you know sometimes, brother and sister, that is the best place to be. It says, the fear of man bringeth the snare. You know what? There's some points in our lives when we get so desperate, when we get so confused, when we just have not got a clue what is happening around us and the enemy seems to be having his way. Who cares what the world thinks of you? You humble yourselves and drop to your knees before the Lord because he's the only one that's ever going to strengthen you and bring you through. This is what Jehoshaphat did to him. He prostrated himself before God. And listen to the Lord's answer. In Second Chronicles 20 and verse 17. Listen to what he says to him. It's beautiful. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord is with you. Amazing. O Judah and Jerusalem fear not. Nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. With his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Fell before the Lord worshipping. Notice the word stand still. You know what this gives the idea of. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want your flesh to do anything. But I want you to see me do it. That's what it gives the idea. Stand still. He wants him to put his flesh. Completely to one side. He wants Jehoshaphat. To be completely yielded. To the will of God. And it doesn't matter what situation. He was in. Even in the natural people. Would have said. And you know they were going to say. Jehoshaphat. This is ridiculous. You're not doing anything. But he said, no, I'm not. The Lord's got to do it. And you see, at times, the world will cajole you. It'll ridicule you. It'll say, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. What are you going to church for? What are you praying to somebody that's invisible for? What are you doing that for? Sure, nothing's got to change. You know what? With the Lord, nothing is impossible. Amen. You know what? I remember when I first come to the Lord. I'll never forget it. I was at that place where I thought, boy, this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? Sure, I should know better. And, and we were living up in, in Belfast at the time and I was walking down the, the, the Belfast lot there with a the dog and I couldn't sleep and it was, I don't know, about five o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget it. And I, just, I was looking over and I think the sun was just starting to come up. And it was maybe five, six. And I remember the mountains in the distance there. It was, it was beautiful. Like I'd not, I'm not long moved over from England. I remember seeing it and I remember saying, Lord, did you really make those mountains? Or is this all just nonsense? You know, did you really fashion the world, you know? And I walked away and I thought, no, I still don't feel as though I'm saved as such. I don't feel that the presence of the Lord on me. And I walked away and I probably walked maybe nearly a mile up the coast and I I remember vividly a man walking out, still quite dark, And he walked straight up to me. And at first I actually thought he might try to mug me. But he put his hand straight out. And I took his hand and he shook my hand and he said, Brother, and he pointed me over to the mountain and says, Isn't it amazing that the Lord thy God made all this for us? I didn't let him see it. He walked by and he went, God bless you, brother. And I went, God bless you. I was in tears because I knew it was real I thought there is no way that was a coincidence and even pointing to the very same mountains that I was looking at the Lord's real the Lord loves you and the Lord is the only place you'll ever get help in this world I'll do my best for you Pastor Ken we will do these best for you but we're men at best. And that's just the truth. But you see the Lord. He'll draw close to you even in the darkest of times. When nobody else will understand what you're going through. The Lord thy God is with you. And will never leave you. Jehoshaphat. Knew a few things about this. And it's the same. When you look at Jesus Christ. Can you imagine. Imagine. That day on the cross. Can you imagine the disciples' faces when they took the beautiful Lord away of glory? Can you imagine when they spat on his beautiful face? Can you imagine when they beat him? Brother and sister, can you imagine when he was on the Via Dolorosa? His back was like a ploughed field, there must have been blood everywhere. He was a terrible state. And they were mocking him. They were shouting at him. And you see the natural, they would have turned around and said, What a disgrace he is. Look at him. He hasn't even got the power to save himself. What's he going to do for you? Can you imagine that? And they'd have nailed him to that cross that had heard the cries of the Saviour. But he cried, it is finished. He cried, it is finished. Not he is finished, but it is finished. And the world didn't realise it. But they thought it was the greatest disgrace. Let me tell you, brother and sister, it was the greatest victory that this world had ever seen. That mankind was ever going to experience. It was the greatest victory on earth. The Lord of glory. Made a show of the principalities and powers of darkness that day openly. And his resurrection confounded everybody. He couldn't understand it. They thought he was defeated. But when the Lord's with you. You're always in the majority. Remember that. It says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 22, it's talking about the enemy were coming against Jehoshaphat. And it says, And when they began, this is Judah now, to sing and praise the Lord. To sing and praise, sorry. It says, The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. You see Mount Seir there? That's the Edomites, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, there were the dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. you know what this is saying? They'd come together to try and attack Judah. But it said the Lord ambushed them. And what it basically means is that they started to fight between each other and slay each other. He turned the enemy upon themselves. And Jehoshaphat and Judah didn't have to do a thing. You see, he knew Jehoshaphat a few things. The first thing he knew was that he couldn't do it, but the Lord could. The second thing he knew was his position. He knew his position that he could come before the Lord. He could come before the Lord in his time of trouble. He could come before the Lord any time because he knew that the Lord was going to hear. He knew he had access to the Lord. He knew there was only one way to victory. It was the Lord's way. And not his way. Brother and sister. There's only one prescribed way to victory. And it's the Lord's way. You'll have to come through his way. You can't do it your own way. And let me tell you something. It's the biggest cry and shame that we see in our nation today. Church after church after church after church have fallen away and they're trying to do it their way. Oh well, we'll do it this way. We'll tell them that the gospel isn't really real anymore. There's only wee bits in it, you know. That it's not really relevant for this day. We'll tell them that the Bible doesn't really mean what it says. They're all trying to do it their own way. But there's only one way. That's his way. You see, the thing that we forget is that the Lord's prescribed way was Him dying on the cross, was Him shedding His blood, was Him showing us in the resurrection that death could not hold Him. It was His prescribed way and we can do it no other way other than by the blood of the Lamb that was shed. That's the only way this world is going to get saved. That's the only way that people are going to see Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of the Lamb. And until the church wakes up and starts preaching the gospel again. It's the only way people are going to get saved. It's the only thing that breaks the yoke of Satan. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember, I was told one time of a, a preacher years ago. His, his name escapes me now. But he was going over to America. In fact, he was going to take over D.L. Moody's church. And uh, he gets a few tickets. His wife had died not long previous. And he had a a, a daughter. And they were going to get a ship over to America. The ship was called the Titanic that he'd gone on. And as you all know, the Titanic hit the iceberg and everybody was running around. Him and his daughter had the life jackets on. I think she was about maybe 13, 12, 13 And he stood there and he put his daughter in the life raft. And uh, she looked at him. And he said to her, she says, Daddy, where are you going? He says, love, I'm going to do the Lord's work. He gave his life vest to a young man that didn't have one. And he said to the band, he said, play How Great Thou Art. And he started going around, are you saved, brother? Are you safe, sister? You need the Lord. People were shouting at him. People were conjoling him. They're saying, what are you doing? We're going down. He says, brother, take my hand. I'll pray for you and we'll go up together. I remember hearing the testimony of a young man saying I was his last convert. He was in the water. He said he prayed with me. He said, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went off to the, into the darkness and I never saw him again. How real is it to us today? When we think of men that have done that, they believed, they lived their lives before God. Jehoshaphat did his best to tear down all them groves. And when you read in previous chapters, he started to get people to teach the book of the law again. he said to the people, come on now. Read this, know it, devour it, because this is the Lord. This is your salvation. This is the power of God to overcome. That's what he said. And it moved the people that they would then fall in their times of trouble down before God and seek his face when they were surrounded by the enemy. Brother and sister, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when your family starts drifting away? What do you do when problems are coming into the home? What do you do when you can not see a way at it? Do you go and find somebody? Do you go and ask somebody? Or do you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore because that's what we need to do brother sister remember he loves you remember he's always with you and he will never leave you I want you to turn quickly with me please to Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians 6. And this is what Paul says to this young church. He's been teaching them a lot of things. He's been teaching who they are in the Lord. He's been saying your your position in the Lord. He says, you must understand your position in the Lord. He says, you must understand that... What the Lord has done for you through the shedding of blood on the cross. He says, You must understand this. And then he he takes them through and he says, How much the Lord loves you and and, and what access you have to him. And he tells them all this. But most people concentrate on the armor of God. But look what he says beforehand, chapter 6 and verse 10. Listen to this. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And the power of whose might? His might. You see, you can't do anything on your own. And even when we come to the armour of God. If you turn, please, to Romans 13. And we'll read from verse 11. Romans thirteen, verse eleven, and I'm gonna give you the crux of the matter of the whole armour of God. Listen to what it said. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of the sleep, for now our salvation nearer the, <clears throat> our salvation nearer than when we believed. Isn't it now the time to wake out of our sleep? It really is, isn't it? The light is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on what the armor of light. Now listen to this. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strafing and envying. But listen to this now, this is the crux of it. But put ye on, what? The Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. (coughs) Brother, sister, if you want to put on the whole armor of God, if you want to be fit, ready for the battle, then let me tell you something. You better start looking at your relationship with Christ because that's who you're to pull on. If you want to put on the whole armor of God, then put Jesus Christ on. You'll be close to him, close than ever before. Because I tell you something, when you have a relationship with Christ, that old devil doesn't know when you finish and he begins. All he can see is that blood. All he can see is Christ. And let me tell you something, they don't want nothing to do with that. Because when a man and a woman has put on Jesus Christ they know who they are in Christ and they know the enemy is defeated and he has to flee. Remember this morning brother and sister there's no situation too hard for him. There's nothing in your life that he cannot touch. But the thing is put him first. First place in everything. Because you see when he's first place Everything else just falls in a place. I'm not saying that life's got to be a bowl of cherries because it's not. But let me tell you something. It's far easier to go through the storms with the Lord than to go through the storms on your own. So stick close to Christ this morning. I hope that was an encouragement this morning. I hope that was a blessing this morning. I just felt the Lord just place that on my heart for you this morning.